Hello and welcome to the podcast from That's Not My Age. I'm Alison Walsh. I'm a journalist, author and blogger and I'd like to invite you to join this conversation. I'll be interviewing lots of brilliant people about life and style in getting older. It's a grown-up guide. Hope you enjoy the episode. For today's podcast, I am delighted to introduce Michelle Griffith Robinson, who is an Olympian, life coach, mentor, trainer, mum, and all-round superwoman. (laughs) Michelle, hello. Hi, darling. Thank you for having me on today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us from sunny Devon. Sunny Devon. Delicious out here today. Divine. Oh, it's beautiful here too. It's that sort of clear blue sky, cold, crisp weather. It's my, it's my favourite kind of weather. Yeah. It's a blessing to wake up to this this morning. It's an absolute blessing. I don't know if I've ever told anyone this before, but when I was, I've always been, I was always sporty as a kid and then like all the teams at school and captain of the netball team and all of that malarkey. And when I was little, I can remember running around our back garden thinking, and I'm, and my ambition then, and I must have only been like, I don't know, at junior school, like kind of like six or something, was can, to be in the Olympics. Wow, babe, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not, I, I, that didn't happen. I'm not as talented as you, but I can't do So first of all, I wanted to ask you about your sporting life, a bit about that and what it was like competing at Olympic level as a triple jumper. Well, to be honest with you, I think it's it, it, it's great, you know, like you just said there, having those um, those little dreams and aspirations as a kid running around. And I equally used to run around the garden, play, playing hide and seek and running away from my three older brothers. So, for, you know, for me, <laughs> it's naturally that I could I could run and jump because I had to run and jump over things to get away from them. So, um, <laughs> I've got two brothers, so. <laughs> so, you know, you know my pain, Alison, you know my pain. <laughs> Similar situation. Yeah, absolutely. So, um. I'm the youngest of four children and my journey into track and field really started um, from my mum saying to me, you know, there's nobody to look after you on a Sunday morning. You're going to have to go down the track and um, come with me to my fitness session. And I remember being in the fitness session. I remember the song Rock Your Boat Baby. So those 70s, 80s <laughs> children can remember that song really well. I went down the track. I was 12 years old, a Sunday morning, a crisp Sunday morning like today, to be honest with you. And my mum said to me, that's the best pound she's ever invested in her life and that was the start of my track and field career oh and were you into it immediately yes to be honest with you I, I was into it I, I recognized that I had an ability at school I used to beat all the boys in the running races and my PE teachers you know were always encouraging saying how talented I was I was a tall long-legged black girl with big afro big feet and big tits to put on top of that <laughs> uh, which everyone used to point at so that's why I always mention it because they used to always say how can you run with them you know, that, that that type of behavior back then that you have to, you know, almost, you know, ignore and carry on back then, back in those days anyway. And um, I, yes, I did have a natural ability and natural talent for it. I, you know, that, that was something that I found quite easy, something that I enjoyed. But what was really nice about then was the social side of things as well. It was a massive social side, side, you know, you had all different people from all different areas, you know, working class, really wealthy you know, different diversities. And the one thing that was the common ground was kids doing sport. And so this was, you were competing in London. Yeah. So actually, I actually competed for my club was Middlesex Ladies to start for, which was in Wembley. Everybody knows Wembley. And I expect there'd be loads of people listening that love Wembley like I did. And um, 
Wembley's where I where I grew up and where I trained. And then eventually I competed for Windsor Slough and Eton, um, which is down towards Windsor and Ascot End. And that was an amazing running club for me. But I learned my trade, so to speak, from Middlesex ladies. And so you were in the 1996 Olympics? That's right. So um, I, not, I, I have to share a little story around that. When I was watching um, Daley Thompson, the 84 Los Angeles Olympic Games, I did say, turn around to my dad and say, I hope one day I'll be in the Olympic Games. And my dad kind of looked at me like, I hope you're not in the Olympic Games because I want you to do your academics. And, and there was always that big push <laughs> oh, and pull yeah. around, you know, coming from an Afro-Caribbean family. They didn't really want you doing a lot of sport. They wanted you to always have something, you, you know, be a doctor, a pharmacist, to ha- have a prestigious job, so to speak. And I used to say to my dad, Dad, there's nothing wrong with me doing sport, but I guess a, a girl as well. So breaking down those barriers and then, you know, ended up being a triple jumper, I certainly broke down those barriers. And 1996 Olympic Games was the first Olympic Games where women were allowed to compete in the triple jump. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So it was another milestone as well. So I went to 1996 Olympic Games. I retired in 2006 at the Commonwealth Games, having been to four Commonwealth Games, having met my husband at the Commonwealth Games as well, been to European Championships, World Championships, broken, being the first woman to jump over 14 metres in the in the triple jump in the Commonwealth. So, you know, I, I had an amazing, illustrious career that I loved and I've learned so much about myself from, you know, if I, and that's what really now as a life coach, all I'm doing is regurgitating a lot of what I learned along life's journey because sport is tough, but life yeah. is tougher. Yeah. And is it hard when you are at that level, is it hard to retire? Um, great question, Alison. For me, it wasn't hard to retire, you know, and I've done loads of talks around this and I do a lot of public speaking and, in it, I often say to a lot of people, especially athletes that are coming up to retirement, sportsmen, you know, that retired from last year's Olympic Games as well. My biggest advice to them is always find something you're passionate about and find your niche before you retire. So you can reach out to all the brands, you know, and share your skill set whilst you are still at the top mm. of your game. Yeah. Because it's, it's quite a desolate, lonely place when the phone stops ringing. And you're no longer the nucleus, uh, you know, of the brand. And it's just you on your own. For me, I managed to set up a personal training company 22 years ago, whilst I was still at the, at, literally still competing at the, at the very top. In 1999, because UK Athletics had stopped my funding for whatever reason, I set up a personal training company. And that's what, what I would say, because I set that up, when I retired, I had two things on my mind. I wanted to have another baby and I wanted to, you know, get my business right out there. And then obviously I've gone from personal training into life coaching and mentoring. Yeah. So did you retrain? I mean, did you uh, go back to uni or did you study? What, what I did was I was at I, a story behind that again. And around all these women out there and parents out there that may be listening with their kids. Allow your children to pursue their dream and not and make sure you don't vicariously live your life through your children. That's my bit of advice here. Yeah. For me, my father didn't, like I said, she was very reluctant about me doing sport. So I, I went to school. I was an average student, but very, very good at languages. French and Spanish, I, was, I got A's in, in my GCSEs. I did history, French and Spanish A-levels, went to, a, to university, dropped out after 18 months of international relations with French, because actually my passion wasn't studying. My passion was to do track and field. Mm. So... That's one thing, and I'm not I'm not encouraging anybody to 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 
tell the children to drop out of university like I did. I was a fortunate one that I had a really big talent and a passion. But what I am saying is allow your children to follow their pathway. And sometimes it might be right. Sometimes it might be wrong. But let them learn that for themselves and be there to catch them. And that's what I did. So when I came home from university on that in that March, my mum said to me in her strongest Jamaican accent, what are you doing home so early? <laughs> and I said to her, mommy, I've dropped out of university. She was absolutely gobsmacked. What do you mean? Why have you done that? And I just said, mum, I'm very unhappy there. It's not the course that I should have done as well as pursuing my track and field. And she said to me, okay, having sat down with my stepdad, they both decided they'll support me for six months until I found a job. And I tell you what, I'm exceptionally grateful for that, for that support. I then wrote off 10 letters to 10 different companies. I got back one response, which was from DHL, the courier company. And they sponsored me for four and a half years on a full-time salary on, and working part-time hours so I could do my track and field as well as get a, an education within the industry as well. So I, I managed to do some work in marketing. So Fantastic. That, that's the support that sometimes, and, and I call it actually one of your lucks that you get, you know, mm. that's a lucky, that's a lucky. That, I was very fortunate. But what I would say is when I then went on to, when I retired from track and field, I started mentoring a lot and the companies I worked for then paid for my diploma to become a life coach. So I, it was, it's all about timing. It's all about networking. It's all about connections. And it's all about showing up with your authentic self. Mm. And so um, talking about your authentic self, you also are an ambassador uh, for the menopause charity. Uh, and that's how we met, in fact. I went to a panel discussion on menopause and you were on the panel and I thought you were brilliant and funny. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alison. That was an amazing panel discussion. And again, yeah. sliding doors, we were cl clearly meant to meet at that venue. Yeah. So, yes, I am an ambassador for the menopause charity. And, and you know, one of my things, you know, when Dr. Louise Newson um, reached out to me to join to join the charity as an ambassador, I said to her, I want to be able to share my story my, share my experiences as a as a black woman you know who's now 50 about how the perimenopause has affected me and my life to in order to almost help and enable other women of color to speak freely because within our community talking about health issues has always been a no-no and that's a historical thing mm. that comes back from our mothers where you've been told to almost keep that quiet if you if if you have a cancer or an illness, I'll keep that quiet. It's almost like a an embarrassment, a shame. So I want to be that person at the forefront that says, no, we're, we're not here to be hidden. We're not invisible. We're here to share our experiences and to help the next person coming up. You've spoken about the importance of being able to talk to other black women in your in the community about menopause. And have you, did you find that, uh, what, how was that received? And have you been able to make it less of a taboo and to demystify it? Well, in terms of demystif demystification, I, I think that um, I'm, because I'm open, when you're open as a person, sometimes you attract that openness. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and it's, it's out there, you know, it becomes more like infectious so, you know, obviously I don't expect everybody to be like me because I don't want no one to be like me. I don't want to be like anybody else. So, but what you do want to do is encourage them to say, let's talk about it more. So a lot of my close-knit friends, black women, have chosen to come and say, Michelle, I know you're, you're at the forefront of this. You're quite into this. You're quite passionate about this. What do you think? And, you know, one of my best friends who I speak to daily, you know, Marcia, has often said to me that, you know, it's been, a, it's been I've been a welcome change 
to, for somebody for her to be able to speak to mm. about the, the, the menopause. And what advice do you give then? What would you say? What do you say to your friend Marcia and to then to other women that you meet? I say to my friends, to my friends and other women that come to me, go and do your research first and foremost, so that when you go to that doctor with all your symptoms, yeah, or whatever symptoms you may have, you are armed with the right questions, so you do not get fobbed off. Mm. Yeah. So there's a balance app that Dr. Lee Newsom talks about. You know, there's also on the menopause charity. There's so many useful questions about cancer related to taking HRT. There's a there's a lot of information out there. And as, and like when we met and um, at Albright that time, you know, you have a panel of experts that there, doctors that know their stuff. You've got people there, high profile women that are sharing their the, the highs and lows. And I think the more and more we can speak about it, the more workplaces can get involved and say, actually, how do I support my staff? Get educated on it. The better you're going to be. Remember, 51 percent of the workforce uh, are women. You know, mm. we have to protect these women and especially older women, midlife women. We have to protect us because otherwise, where do people go to learn? Yeah. Yeah. No, you have to get the, you know, get the conversation out there, don't we? So you've also said that on that, getting the conversation out there and talking about your experience, that your daughters have said that they're horrified about you uh, <laughs> talking about your sex life and dropping libido in public. They're yeah, I said to them, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> I told them, get over it. I said, let me tell you something now. It'd be, it'd be a little bit more embarrassing if you found out that your mum and dad are split up because you, you, your mum's not actually, let's keep it real, not having any intimacy with your dad and he's run off with the, with the secretary next door. You feel that a little bit more embarrassing. How old are your daughters? 18 and 15. I've been blessed to have an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old daughter and an eight-year-old little boy. Oh. And they are, you know the cliche, they are my life. They are my life. And I'm exceptionally proud to, to say that I'm a mother of these three beautiful children. Um, I'm blessed that, like I said, I met my husband at the Commonwealth Games and um, in 2002. And yeah, I, I feel very fortunate and lucky that I, I married well. Oh, well, you are a super sporty family, aren't you? And we are called so your husband Family is... Robinsons. We are. We are. <laughs> so brilliant. Fit Family Robinson. So your husband is uh, was a rugby player for Wales. Is that That's right? That's right. Oh, so he was competing at the Olympics when you were... He was competing at the Commonwealth Games in the Rugby Sevens. Oh. So Rugby Sevens, he went to Kuala Lumpur and then Manchester, where we met. And um, he was competing for Wales. I was competing for England at the Commonwealth Games. And that's where we met. Um, and so naturally, the kids have got the sporty gene. Mm-hmm. Um, they do very well. My daughters play athletics and play netball. My son plays rugby, does hockey. You know, we're, we really encourage a lot of activity. And that hence why we set up the little Instagram Fit Family Robinsons. Purely because we want to show families the importance of the togetherness of what sport can bring as a family. But also on top of that, the mental health aspects of keeping fit and healthy on young people. You know, so, you know, we live in beautiful North Devon, which we came to about three and a half years ago. And we're outdoors, you know, we're outdoor family. We might go out for long walks and we encourage it that all of us go for these long walks, not just me and Matt. You know, mm-hmm. the girls have to come, we go bike riding. That's not their favourite. But me and Elijah go out bike riding quite a lot. 
Oh, also really important now, like particularly when we're sort of locked down, in and out of lockdown, and you know, kids have been at home and stuff. To really important to get outdoors and get active. A- absolutely, and, and and you know, we were very blessed that you know we we're in North Devon. You know, we live on site at a boarding school with there's ninety acres here, so you know, we we could quite easily go out for long walks, circuit training, training. We we kept really, in fact, I'd say that lockdown I was probably one of the fittest I've been in years because we trained every single day and I wanted to ask you about you know we're another COVID winter number two how how can we stay motivated because I can remember this time last I just when the weather's like this I think it's absolutely fine but when you get those never-ending days of like miserable grayness um it's a bit harder to stay motivated and you know get out there and go for a walk or a run or whatever what's your what's your advice on staying motivated what are your um, tips? It's, it's quite a funny one because um you know I, I would say it's funny but it's almost simple for me because I've always done it so let me put my let me look at it through the lens of somebody that's you know not as an activist in more of a sedentary lifestyle I would always say put on some music if you don't want to go outside and have a dance yeah yeah put on some music <laughs> have a dance in your house have a dance in your own four walls yeah. And I would often say to people to help your motivation throughout the winter months, find an accountability partner. Oh, yeah. So find find somebody because I promise you, you'll have one of somebody That's in your friendship like an groups, accountant. <laughs> whatever it might be. You'll have somebody in your friendship groups that will want to be that we thinking and feeling the same as you. Yeah. Yeah. So if you say to write every Monday, why don't we go out for a 20 minute walk at lunchtime? OK, what time? And you set your clock. You set your alarm, yeah, or you set your phone to ring and or, and say to your friend, right, we're going out. And you can be in other sides. The beauty of this whole Zoom and this, this this social media world out there, you can be different parts of the world and still manage to motivate each other. Mm. Yeah, not everybody, I've said this before, not everybody can afford to pay for a life coach like me, you know, have a personal trainer like me. But what they have got within their circles, they've got a friend, at least one friend that can hold them to account. So yeah. stay motivated. The easiest way to stay motivated is check in with a friend, write down what you want to gain and actually write down what the benefits are if you do do exercise. Because when you see them written down in front of you on post-it notes, it does encourage you to get moving. Okay. No, that is a, that's a, a top idea, isn't it? I kind of think, you know, I've met friends sort of when we were allowed to, to, to go for walks. And, yeah, when, it, when you've got someone else to, you know. Absolutely. You know, I couldn't have become an Olympic athlete without a team of people around me that kept motivating me when times are bad. And, you know, and, and most people say, you're really upbeat. And, yes, I am, Alison, I'm going to be honest with you. My personality is such. But there are also days, especially being perimenopausal, where I just think, oh, my God, this is a this is tough today. This is tough today. But rather than going and doing a big session, I just wrap up, get out and go for a brisk walk for 20 minutes. Clear my head, put my headphones on and walk up the Devon Hills. I was going to ask you, actually, were, were there any days when you yourself didn't feel very motivated on what you did, but you've already answered that question? <laughs> there you go. And it's always thinking about the, I guess it's always going, centering yourself back to the outcome. Yeah. When you yeah. think about the, the, the bigger goal, the bigger picture out there than just, you know, this morning, I use a really good, good example for me. This morning, I had lots of things to do. I really wanted to go and do 40 minutes in the gym. I didn't manage to do 40 minutes in the gym. So I just set myself an easy target. 50 press-ups, 50 sit-ups, 50 squats. 
God. I'm not actually doing much with doing that. <laughs> oh my god, fifty press ups! I couldn't even do five. Um, oh my god! And I have seen you on Instagram. I'll link to your Instagram actually when I write this up on Instagram. Powerlifting, basically, it's not weightlifting, is it? Powerlifting. When yes, it's, like- it's powerlifting. It's it's Olympic lifting, weightlifting. Yeah, I love it, Alison. I love it. Do you? I, it keeps me going, babes. It, it makes me feel great. I feel strong like a lion. That's fantastic. I love that. You know what? I kind of, because I know, I know, like, you know, I've done my research. I've read about this. And I know I, you know, I, as we get older, I should be weightlifting because um, it's good for me. And, you know, strengthens, strengthens, strengthens my bones. And, yeah. Absolutely. But I don't like it. I don't like doing it. I don't like the gym. I'd rather be. I've always been. I'd much rather be outdoors on my bike or go for a walk. There's or, nothing wrong with that. Run. But but then, how do I? You know, if I don't like, I always kind of had thought that if you don't like, if you don't like doing it, and it doesn't make you happy. Then why why bother? <laughs> well, 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 my 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 reason to you is why don't you like doing it? My question to you: Tell me why you tell me why you don't like doing it first and foremost. I don't know. I've never really, I never really liked sort of circuit training and weights and any of that. But circuit training is different to weight training, though. I've got, you know, if if you you say you like walking, what's wrong with you saying to yourself, right, grabbing two kilogram weights and going walking with your two kilogram weights? Then when you finish, put them in your rucksack and keep walking with them. That's still resistance training. Yeah, or get some of those wrist wristbands, weight um, on your ankles, ankle weights. There's many, many ways to lift a weight. There's many ways to get resistance training. That's the one. It doesn't quite That's have the it. same ring, but okay. yeah. <laughs> okay, so just do something else. Don't do something else. Alison, uh, I'm telling you now, it, and even if it means that you do it for 10 minutes, it's better than not doing it at all. And I often said to people, if you do a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 10 minutes of weight training, over a month, you'll be surprised. You, you've, you've then t- tallied up at least 120 minutes. Yeah. That's the way you got to look at it. All right, yeah. So shift my thinking. Shift, shift, reframe, reframe oh. your thinking. Reframe it, right? Any any tips on how to go about reframing the thinking? I mean, obviously, don't want you to give all your experts. I'm not giving away all my tips. It's okay. People can find me if they want to find me. <laughs> I, I often like to give little little t- tips and teasers away. Anyway, yeah. I would say, reframing your thinking is about adjustment. You know, we, we've realised, all of us have realised over the last two years, we've had to be adaptable and we've all done amazingly well. Yeah. So it's about mm-hmm. looking and thinking, actually, how flexible can I be with my thinking? And when I change my thinking, what is that giving me? Rather than saying, oh, it's not a great day today. What well, I've done some amazing things today. Mm. Yeah. So you might yeah. have covered your 10 50, things. 50 setups, 50 press ups. 50 pre- there you go. And break it down into sets of five. That's what I did this morning. Five sets of ten. Impressive. It's impressive. But it's re- it's about rephrasing and rethinking. So it might mm. be, you know what, instead of saying, I don't like weight training, it yeah. might be about, I would love to be able to do one session every other week of weight training. And yeah. I'm going to ask my friend to help support me with that. Rather than I don't like it, I'm not doing it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm thinking now, as soon as we get, I get off of this podcast, I'm going to, they are. I'm thinking I'm going to get some of those uh, wrist weight things. Yeah, anything like that, Alice, especially because you like going out. Put them in your rucksack and get walking up the hills. Power yeah. walk to the station. But it's. The, I always think it's my arms. I need to 
do you know some sort of exercise but even if it's for your arms then look in the mirror and say right how do I want to look I tell you what I'm going to try this for six weeks and see if it makes a difference give yourself a little goal a little challenge yeah and remember something one thing I say to everybody that I that I have the pleasure of being around it's about working for yourself it's your own personal goals we can sometimes get too caught up in watching other people. Oh, this woman's doing this in the gym. This woman's doing that at work. Oh, that woman's... No, no, no. Uh, 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 uh. It's your own personal journey. It is. Yeah. And we're all work in progress. I'm work in progress. Is it okay to be lazy? Asking, asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. <laughs> is it okay to be lazy? I mean, kind of, you know, I, I, let me explain that a bit more fully. Over Christmas, we just yep. decided to stay put, to, you know, to, to loll around, to hunker down, and, you know, go for walks, watch films. Didn't really do much socialising because of the Omicron. COVID rubbish, um, whatever. Yeah, that monarchy. So we just were careful, stayed in. Mm-hmm. Did, you know, and actually doing not very much felt fantastic. I mean, kind of mentally, I was like, great, my brain really needed that rest. So I'm thinking it is okay to be lazy from time see, I wouldn't to time. See, I would take out the word lazy. <laughs> yeah. You see, so straight away, that word lazy is a negative to me. Yeah. So again, reframing it, I would say, is it okay to have some time out? Absolutely, yeah. it is. Absolutely, it's time to re and almost allowing yourself that time allows you to come back with a bit more power and zest and vigor for the new year. Yeah, because definitely. You cannot keep living on that rat race of you got to do this, we got to meet here, we got to do this, we got to cook dinner. That's not that's not sustainable. Mm. Yeah. So actually, you're doing yourself a favor, Alison. And and hats off to you and your family. We equally kept it very tight because I wanted my mum to come for Christmas. So we kept it very tight in here. Yeah, Mm. staying in, going for walks, coming back in again, not going out too much, not mixing at all because we wanted to spend Christmas with my 81-year-old mother. Mm. And that was beautiful, having home-cooked food, having music on. That's I didn't say we were lazy. I called it time to chill. Yeah. And what do you do when you're not working? Um, how do you chill? What do you do to relax? I tell you what I do a lot. I, I like to speak to people on the phone. So I'm a big communicator. It's one of my skills, one of my gifts. Um, I speak to my friends. I sit and talk to my husband. I scroll through clothes online. I love fashion. Fashion's one of my things. I'm, I've actually just bought a farmhouse in, in Wales. Um, which is really exciting, and this is it's going to be amazing for us eventually. So oh. I've been looking through different magazines and just vi- visualizing, vision boarding. So that's where I spend my time, and I feel a, a big excitement of looking at bathrooms and kitchens and wallpaper and colors. So right now, that's where my focus is as well. So my relaxation time is looking at different house stuff. Wow. So are you, are you, eventually, are you going to move to Wales? Yes. Eventually we'll move to South Wales, um, to our farmhouse. I nice feel very one. blessed to have it. And again, you know, you know, for, for, for listeners out there, I think it shows a lot with a black family moving to the countryside in a farmhouse. And I want to, again, and it's not just about, a, you know, a colour thing here, but it's about a cultural thing here. Letting people know there's so much more you can see when you come outside of your comfort zone. Mm. And not just sticking to the city. And I'm, and I'm Matthew, my husband, has encouraged me and has been, you know, the, the, the main person that I got to give thanks to for allowing me to see beyond just the city life as well. 
that I, you know, I'm definitely embarking more on like um, trail running, hiking, walking. And it's it's definitely better for us to see. And as an ambassador for Diabetes UK, I'm at the forefront of seeing black and Asian people get moving. You know, mm. I, I had a, a, a talk with a, a lady yesterday, a makeup um, artist yesterday, and um, she said to me, what would your simple words be about, you know, around activity and, you know, I want to lose a bit of weight. And I said, I would just say, eat less, move more. Yeah. That I said, I would keep it as simple as those four words. She's like, Michelle, I love that. Eat less, move more. I said, absolutely. Just keep moving. And, you know, you know, I don't expect everybody to be an Olympic athlete like me. But what I do would love to see is people moving more. Yeah. You know, make movement. Movement is life. You know, you will soon know when you can't move, when you're old and you can't get up out of a chair without using your hands. That's taken away from you. But whilst we can, let's use every part of our body to enjoy and embrace what the what is out there. Oh, I love that. That is a great note to hem- end this part of the uh, podcast on because now I want to move on to my grown-up guide questions. And these are I ask the same questions to all my guests. Here we go. So these are the grown-up guy questions. I'm ex- actually, I'm not even sure I should ask you this one. I'm exhausted. How tired are you? Not very, I think, because you're very energetic. Do you ever feel tired? Oh my god, Alison, I do, babes, and you know, and I'm yet to go to my um, doctors to um, explore my HRT and options, which I will be exploring in the next couple of weeks. Um, but I noticed that. For 18, 19 days, I am on fire. Literally, I can do anything. I feel like Superwoman. And then the last 10 days of the month, I am hanging. I'm literally so tired. So, yes, I do feel tired, but I listen very carefully to my body to say, well, actually, I'm not going to go and exhaust myself doing that. I'm going to just play smart. I watch what I eat, you know, because around those 10 days as well is where I want to go to the chocolate. I want to go and get my Rita Sport chocolate and stuff so I'm very careful with that <laughs> you know you've got my vices um, yeah. but I do get tired but I also look at well why am I feeling particularly tired at the moment well I'm feeling particularly tired at the moment because I'm 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 due for my my menstrual cycle again my estrogen levels have dropped so I'm very in tune and the yeah. one thing that I haven't mentioned that is really crucial to me is journaling write down how you're feeling excellent that's another sort of good advice isn't it to sort of yeah write it down and write it down Absolutely. How do you feel about getting older? Oh, I embrace. I'm embracing every wrinkle, every grey hair, every bits <laughs> and pieces. I love it, babes. I, I'm full of experience. I feel more confident now, Alison, than I did when I was in my twenties with a six yeah. pack. When I was a size eight to ten, kicking ass on TV, sponsored by everybody. I feel more confident and secure with myself now, with my saggy 32F breasts, than I did then. That is. Good to hear. Oh, I feel brilliant. Uh, you, yeah. you know, because it, with with age is wisdom, isn't it? Age is wisdom. Yeah. And yeah. I've got rid of all those stupid insecurities that I used to be so ridiculous about. As a, as a teenager and as a 20-something, year I'm like, what are you doing? What are you thinking, babes? I know. You realise what a waste of energy that all Complete, was. darling. And um, what are you reading right now? I'm reading a, a, a Brené Brown book, Daring Greatly, um, How the Courage to Be Vulnerable Transformed the Way We Live, Love, parent and lead oh and last year I was I was really annoyed with myself because I you know I got very stuck into the Dr Louise Newsom's perimenopause and menopausal book um rise of the girl by my friend Joe Wimble Groves I I got very stuck into books that of people that I was interested in but I didn't branch out enough 
So, and my husband's a big reader. He's doing his, his, his PhD at the moment. So he's a big oh, reader. Wow. So I thought, you know yeah. what? I've got to get back into my reading habit. This is a thought. I'm sure it's crossed your mind as well. Have you ever thought of writing a book? I have, <laughs> Alison. I have, I've even got the title, babes. I have. Can you share it or are you saving that? Um, it's going to be something about um, through the lens of a black woman. Yeah. Yeah, how, I can, how I've navigated my life through these lens. Mm. Yeah, um, I've got a lot to write, a lot to say. I'm also a um, ambassador a for women's to, aid. A lot, to, a lot to share as well. Yeah, I have. I've got a lot, lot to share. I'm an ambassador for women's aid as well. So, you know, probably in at some point in my life, I will share about being at the hands of an abuser. Um, so that's Ooh, something that you yeah. know I've kind of kept under wraps for for a while. But um, maybe, uh, maybe I'll share. I've got a lot to share, a lot to say. And my vision and purpose is just to help other women. My my big my 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 mission is to empower women and girls. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, that's why that's not why I started. That's not my age in the first place. Was this was sort of over thirteen years ago, and I left yeah. working on magazines. And I thought to myself, why do I not see any women out there that are you know in their? I was in my forties then. Yeah. Why do I not see women in their forties? You know, there's. I live in London. There's loads of cool women all the time that Absolutely. I see. And but I don't see them in the media. I don't, you know, read about them that much. And and so I started it to empower women in midlife and beyond. Basically, love it, love yeah. it, Alison. And you know, I I would like to be um, on the front cover of magazines. I want to see another black woman that's not a celebrity that is fifty yeah. years old plus on the front cover of a magazine, looking hot, not dressing dowdy. You know, doesn't have to be a size ten or twelve, but you know. Yes, I'm fortunate to be a 10, 12. Yes, I'm happy to be fit. I'm a mother of three. But I want to see more women that look like me. Well, I can totally picture you on the cover of a magazine. So anyone out there listening? Hey, baby. Get in touch with Michelle. They hear us, babe. And, and you know, the time will come, Alison. All jokes aside, the time will come when it's meant to come. My mother yeah. has a very famous saying that she says to me, and she said it to me from a child, nothing happens before it's time. Mm. And when it's your time, you will fly. What are you watching on TV right now? We don't watch a lot of television. We've got a rule at home, Monday to Thursday, there's no telly for the children. That, and we, we stuck with that since there were three. Because they were too busy for everything anyway. So we just said, Monday to Thursday, no telly. And as a consequence of that, me and Matt don't watch a lot of television. But when we do, we watch crap TV. Sorry, we do. <laughs> um, we do. We've got, we got to own that. So we were big on like X Factor and The Voice and stuff like that. But now we're, we're more into like the grand designs because we've got, a, you know, this big farmhouse, great oh, two yeah. listed. We're huge on that. And we like to see transformation. So we're, we're really into that. Um, at the moment and we, we love a, lo a little Netflix what's on, on Netflix but I wouldn't say mm. I'm a avid TV lover people that know me would say that's not me I'm a fashion fitness and food girl oh. um, favourite food or drink food oh my god drink. seafood lobster <laughs> king prawns Ooh. and to drink not a massive drinker if I was to have a nice drink it would be I'm, a, I'm one of those cheap dates I like the cheap white Zinfandel rosé everyone all my friends come when I go out to dinner with them they're like Oh my gosh, you're going to have a white wine and lemonade? They take the mickey out of me. I said, <laughs> each to their own, my mummy says. But if not, I'll just stick to my soda and lime. And okay, we've, you've mentioned fashion being important to you. So talk me through, through your outfit, what you're, what you're wearing today. Actually, what I'm wearing today is a, is a really cool outfit. I'm wearing a tie-dye jog suit from Varley, uh, Activewear brand. Ooh. 
Nice. Yeah, really nice, really bold. So I'm wearing that today. I like to be comfortable. Um, generally, when I'm when, when I'm out and about, I love bold colors. I I don't wear, you know, I don't shy away from colors. I love colors. You know, I it it be you probably see me in black a couple of times a year. I generally don't mm-hmm. wear black. Um, so it'd be bold, bright colors. Um, my my one of my favorite designers is me and them. I love their their trousers. Oh, yeah, yeah. And their colors are fabulous. Um, I love jigsaw hobs. I love. I just love fashion, babes. Mm. And so, what are your feel good clothes? What? How do you know? How? Like what? What would your friends say? Oh, that's that's very Michelle. A nice bold fitted dress. They'll say that's Mish. Mm-hmm. So cobalt blue or orange jumpsuit or fitted dress in the summer they'd say that's very miche um and it would be um probably a pair of jeans and a, and a bright colored shirt or a suit i love a suit allison you know, in fact i just ordered a nice light pink suit now don't let my husband hear shh, shh, shh. <laughs> keep that one quiet guys don't don't yeah. reveal all <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love a suit. I love a bo- bold coloured suit is probably what most of my friends would say. Um, either an, a nice bold dress or um, uh, a wicked suit, wicked trousers suit. Oh. But and how do you know when an outfit is right and when it feels right for you, when you feel good in it? Because when I when I put it on, I feel like $10 billion. When I put it on and I can see the length, because, uh, you know, growing up, it was always hard for me to find trousers that fitted me having long legs. So now there's so much more on the market. So when it's when the length's great on something, it cinches in at the waist, not too much material and a nice fitted top. That's when I feel at my best. So, you know, a nice suit, a, 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 a T-shirt and a pair of trainers. I, I feel rocking with that outfit. It sounds rocking to me. <laughs> we like that. We it like sounds that. sounds very cool. And finally, what's the single most important piece of advice you've ever been given? I mean, I like the advice you said that your mum said just just a few minutes ago but what's the most important piece of advice you've ever been given I've got a couple but I think I might go with this one if not you then who when you're scared to do something yeah yeah share the others come on if you've got a couple yeah so if not you then who would be my, my, my number one if it's yeah. for you nobody will take from you from my mum um when it's your time it's your time yeah and I would one of the ones that I say to my clients all the time is on the other side, which is which is one that's you know not doesn't belong to me, but on the other side of fear is pure excitement. Go get it. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. On the other side of fear is pure excitement. Go get it. I like that. Yeah, because sometimes we are so paralysed with what if, what if, what ifs that we never get to find out the what ifs. Mm. And I think that one of the things that in the book that I read with Brené Brown, she says, you know about daring greatly you know so give give things a chance go for it and people often say why are you bothering to do that well actually that's them wishing that they could do something and you're just yeah. bold enough to have this have the courage to start and do it I think that's true actually you kind of well to, to, to use a sporting term put hurdles in the way don't you, you put Ab- kind of obstacles absolutely. in the way uh, not obstacles not hurdles whatever um to, to sort of you know Oh, that might happen. This might happen, and absolutely and rule things out without really giving them, like, giving them a chance. One hundred percent, Alison, you've got that right. And and sometimes we put obstacles in our way in order to protect ourselves um, because of fear. And you know, I put on a, a post um, today. Fear stands for false evidence appearing real. We do that a lot to ourselves. Oh, right. Oh, I'll remember that. Yeah, false evidence appearing real, playing that internal negative dialogue 
that is it's got no reason for happening. And I've and I've learned that. And Alison, you know, I I was an insecure female, you know, and now I look at myself, I feel like I'm a secure woman in my own right. I, I walk into a room, I can light up a room because I've got brilliant people around me that allow me to be myself. I love that. I love your style and your attitude, Michelle. Thank you, you sweetheart. No, I do. I think you were. I loved listening to you when you were on the on the panel uh, before Christmas, and I think I do actually think you are truly inspirational. So, thank you very much for your time today. It has thank been you, Alison, for having brilliant. me on there. Brilliant talking to you, and I'm going to play this a lot to remind myself of all your words of wisdom. Thank, thank you, sweetheart. You. And thank you for the opportunity again, Alison. You know, I need, I definitely need more women like you that are allies that get women like me out there. So thank you wholeheartedly. Thank you again. I do believe in women supporting other women. I'm into that. So thank you. Pleasure, darling. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the interview. Please come back soon and it'd be absolutely brilliant if you could review the podcast on iTunes and also on that'snotmyage.com. I know that sounds like a lot, but I would appreciate it very much. And don't forget, it's not about age, it's about style.